Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for clapping. Wow. I'm not sure what I did, but all right. That's a good, that's a good start. As a speaker, you're like, well, people are clapping for you. This must be good. Well, I'm glad you guys are all here today. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Ryan, and I have the privilege of uh, pastoring Love City Church with my wife and I. This is our first Sunday going into our, I picked up a fan, did, I'm sorry, ADHD, stay on track. <laughs> sorry. I so badly want to tell you about my life right now, but I need to, in order to stay to my, uh, my time limit, I'm going to get going, because I have a wager on the line. Can he do it in the amount of time he said he would? I can do it, but there's so much I want to tell you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, man. We had a great time last weekend with Pastor Dave and Donna, and what a great weekend. And if you missed those messages, you can go online, and it was fantastic. Also, after the service, I want to meet you. If it's your first time here, my wife and I are going to be right back in the Discover uh, room right there with Andrew and Brittany. Wave your hands like you care. There you go. And we'll meet you back there. I'd love to meet you. Give you a gift certificate to Starbucks, and just say a good hello to you, and uh, let you know a little bit more about who we are. But um, we're going to continue a series today called The Blessed Life, and we're going to be doing this for the next three weeks, next week uh, as well as the 22nd. And the reason we wanted to do this series is because this is a time of year when we, it's kind of a, a time of year when we become a little more generous and a little more uh, giving and a little more willing to partner and help uh, different people in their lives and the season that they're in, and, and that's a beautiful time of the year. And, and so I felt like we wanted to take some time and talk a little bit about the hashtag blessed. Say hashtag blessed. But uh, we uh, are just going to talk to you today about, in the next few weeks, about what it looks like to be blessed, specifically in our finances. When you look at the Bible and Jesus' teaching, Jesus taught uh, the most taught theme in all of Jesus' teachings is the kingdom of God. Yeah. And the kingdom of God talks about two things. Firstly, the coming of God's kingdom, God's kingdom coming when the world ends, when everything kind of wraps up and the final buzzer happens, what happens when this whole world shuts down? You can listen about, I actually speak to a, a series this year called Heaven and Hell. We'll go look at it back in, I think it was March or April. Uh, but the eternal kingdom of God is, is a kingdom that's coming. It's a kingdom of God that's going to be ushered in uh, to the earth. But we also talk about the kingdom of God that's alive and active today. Many of you here today have experienced the kingdom of God. You've experienced his presence and his salvation. You've experienced God in your life in some way, shape, or form. Or maybe you're here today and you're on a spiritual journey and you don't really know what this thing's all about, but you're here today to maybe figure that out. And we're here to talk to you about this spiritual journey that you're on and you're experiencing what, what the kingdom of God is on the earth, this upside down kingdom of Jesus. And, and this kingdom of God is what Jesus taught about. But the second most taught about theme in all throughout scripture was the idea of giving, money, riches, wealth. In fact, 50% more than he talked about heaven and hell. He taught about money. It was his major theme all throughout scripture. We see uh, themes, uh, 30 themes on money. Different themes such as investments and indebtedness and releasing property and capital inheritance and debt cancellation and giving to the poor and uh, treasures and treasures on earth and treasures in heaven and all throughout scripture. Jesus himself was the greatest financial advisor. Hello, greatest financial advisor of all the Bible. And he taught us this most important theme that we find 
in Scripture. Stephanie, a couple weeks ago, taught, uh, started this series off, and she did a great job talking to us, uh, starting the blessed life, talking about how Jesus started this, his, his greatest sermon that he ever spoke on the top of, uh, of the mountain. He began to speak this, this sermon to the people. And the very first word Jesus used in the most successful, talked about, written about sermon ever preached was the word blessed. Now, when you heard the word, I'm sure everyone in the room thought for a moment, okay, here we go. I'm about to hear five steps how to be a millionaire. I can't wait, Jesus. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I'm ready, Jesus. He said, blessed. And everyone thought, okay, here we go. This is it. I can't wait to hear it. And see, Jesus began to teach about that word blessed and how that word blessed has nothing to do with your external circumstances, but has everything to do with a heart that has been transformed by God. How you experience this inner satisfaction satisfaction and this inner peace and this inner joy and this inner life, this inner desire in you that God fills you and satisfies you and you are in this state of true joy and happiness and fulfillment and rest and peace and forgiveness and there's no guilt and no shame. This blessed state that you and I have through a relationship with Jesus Christ is given to us and Steph talked about that and then she talked about how, how we can learn to break off the selfishness in our heart how we can learn to shed off this idea of selfishness in our heart by having a generous heart. So today, what I'm going to focus on is that a blessed life is a fully surrendered life to God that puts God first in everything. A biblical way for you and I to have a blessed life, a surrendered life, is to surrender to God in the area of our money, specifically in the areas of tithes, and offering. We see that, that Stanford researcher Leon Festinger did, a, uh, did a, a social comparison study. And what he would do is, is he looked at different classes of people and he would see how they compare themselves when it came to their assessment of whether or not they were blessed or not. And so he did this social experiment and it all depended upon the ladder in which you compare. So if we look at the, the ladder of morality, and we say, okay, if you're on the ladder of morality, if you were to uh, base your, your opinion or your assessment of your morality based on people who are below you. So the study showed that most people would see that, of course, they feel more moral and more of higher moral value than a murderer or a serial killer or a bomber or a terrible person or a degenerate that does terrible, terrible things. We on this ladder often look at their life and we say, okay, because of my moral standing, I'm better than them. I am higher in my morality. Another moral ladder is the area of money. And they said, so sociologists show that most people on the ladder of money will not compare themselves to the people that are below them. They will compare themselves to the people that are above them. And so they look at the people who are successful and the people that have more than them. And they then compare themselves to those individuals and they feel lower than and so what they will try to do is aspire to be more like the people who are higher on the financial ladder. So what this happens is, is this type of thinking stirs greed in our heart. This type of thinking, this type of moral standing on money, this societal idea of money actually drives the selfishness in us and the greed in us to keep up with who we think is above us in our money or in our, in our, our social class to be better and more and higher. And so we're constantly trying to reach out to something that is actually unattainable for our lives. 
And so we find on this moral ladder that there was an upward financial comparison. Did you know that in ancient financial practices in Israel, they actually had a built-in system by which they, they would discourage the people of God, the people of Israel, had a built-in system that would discourage upward financial comparison. And the, the thing that they used to do this, to keep themselves from, from being greedy, to keep themselves from being selfish, the natural Israel built-in system was tithing. Tithing was a reminder that all human beings were created with a need to give. Every human on the planet has an internal need to give. And there's two ways that we could tell the difference in Israel, the people of Israel, the people of God. There were two ways to distinguish how they were the people of God. The first one was, is that they were monotheists. They worshiped one God, not many gods. Many of the religions across the world believe in many gods and multiple gods and polytheists. But these Israelites believed in one God, one God, one God, his name is Yahweh, his name is Jesus. They believed in one God. The other way in which you would tell that they were separated and distinct as the people of God is that they would uh, put uh, actually spending limits or wealth limits on themselves. They had voluntary limits on their wealth. They lived in deliberate generosity. They would not allow themselves to have more money than they, they had these certain barometers and, and boundaries. And the way they kept that was through tithing and offering. Yeah. It was a built-in way for them to live a life that was generous and grateful and not trying to be something that they're not supposed to be, but continue to be the people of God. You looked at their financial situation and realized they had a barometer, they had a, a, this, this, this system in their being that kept them financially good stewards that God continually blessed. And throughout history, it's, it's shown that tithing is one of those ways for us to discourage upward financial comparison in our lives. And these ancient practices are called tithe and offering. So what is a tithe? The tithe is basically, it means the tenth. It means 10, or the 10th part, or as we say today, maybe 10%, or the 10th part. It's an offering of God for the first tenth of our increase or our income. It's a biblical concept originating from the law, but it came before the law. The tithe is the way for you and I to put God first in our lives, in the area of our money. It's the way of making God first and making us second. It's the way of putting God first in every area of our life. And when you study the attributes of God, if you look at the omniscience of God, God is uh, uh, omniscient. God knows everything. God does not have to learn anything. And the reason it's a learning thing because God is, he, he's all knowing, he knows everything. The other thing you study about God is that God is immutable. It means God never changes. If God had to change, that means he would have to have improvements in his life. God doesn't change, God's perfect. And so God never has to change. God is immutable. If you study the attributes of God, one of the big things you'll find about God is that God can never be second. God is always first in all of creation. God will always be and always remain the very, very, very first in our lives. He will be the first. And if you study through scripture, you'll see that all throughout the Bible, God wanted to be first in our lives. Yeah. Hey, Amy, can you turn me up a little bit in here? I appreciate that. If we look at these, these, this reality, we see in the scripture, it's an amazing story. In Genesis chapter four, 
We see that the very first story of the family of God that came uh, on the planet, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Now, if we look at this story, it's crazy because there's, there's, uh, there's family struggles and there's sex and there's money and there's worship and there's like everything you see in your life today is what we see in that very first account in Genesis chapter four. And in Genesis chapter four, we see a very clear picture of the family. And what happened was, is that Cain and Abel decided that they wanted to bring an offering to God. Now this is crazy, because we don't see anywhere in scripture prior to this, this being taught. Not once do we see prior to Genesis chapter four, God saying to Cain and Abel and to Adam and Eve, you need to give your money or give your finances. Not once do we see it. But for some reason, Cain and Abel must have watched their parents do this. Think about it for a minute. Adam and Eve spent how many years in a perfect relationship with God in Eden? How many years? We don't even know how long Adam and Eve happened to be in that place where they spent a perfect relationship with God. And I'm sure that after the fall and when now they were living in the world without that Eden presence of God, the Cain and Abel must have watched his parents do this. They learned it from somewhere. And it says in the scripture, in Genesis chapter four, it says this, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Notice Cain gave some of his increase. Abel brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. We see in the scripture that God can only be first. God accepted Abel's gift. He didn't accept Cain's. Cain brought a gift, but Abel brought his first gift. There's something powerful about the first in our lives, the giving the first of our time, giving the first of our energy, giving the first of our relationship. That's why when individuals get married, they have a ceremony and they give the first moment of their relationship to God. Welcome back, Harrison and Kayla. Ow! hey All right. Woo! Welcome to the promised land, guys. God wants the first of our lives. He wants the first. Look what it says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. See, when you and I give God our first, it puts him first. When you and I give him the first of our lives, it puts God first in everything in our lives. And I want you to understand something. We'll get this to a minute. God does, not, God does not bless you because you give 10%. God blesses you because you do it in faith. God blesses you because you do it in obedience to honor the Lord. God doesn't bless you because you give a percentage. God blesses you because he sees your heart of faith to believe that guy God is gonna be first in my life. And we see in this verse here that the first portion, the tithe, listen, this is very important you understand this. I wanna teach you something that maybe you've never been taught before, maybe you have, but the tithe actually is the portion that redeems the rest of your finances for the Lord. In Exodus, God teaches this, and he says that when you give the first to God, we put God first in our lives. Look at this in Exodus 13, uh, 2. Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. So he says, listen, 
all the firstborn uh, children of, the, of uh, human and, and animals all belong to me. All the first things are mine is what God says. It's all mine. It all belongs to me. Give it to me. That's mine. I gave it to you. Now I want you to give me the firstborn. That's a crazy thought. Look what he keeps going down and saying. Look at this scripture. 16 times in scripture this is mentioned. Look what it says. In view verses down. You must present all your firstborn sons and firstborn animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be bought back or redeemed from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back or redeem it, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back, redeem every firstborn son. Now let me explain this to you. You say, what is going on with this verse? <laughs> There's necks being broken and all sorts of things. <laughs> what this idea is this, is that when, it, when, it, when, a, when a lamb or a, a lamb had a, an ewe has a, a child, has a baby, if the baby comes out of the lamb and it's spotless, it's perfect, that lamb would be sacrificed as an offering to the Lord. Now you don't know something. They don't know how many lambs are going to come from this, this lamb. They don't know how many, you, how many lambs are this he's going to give. They don't know if there's going to be 50 or 40 or 10 or 12 or 2 or 1. All they know is that the first one that comes out, the perfect spotless animal that comes out, must be sacrificed as an offering to the Lord. Now, over here, we have a, uh, we have a donkey. And if a donkey gives birth to a son or, 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 a, or a child and gives birth to an animal, this was an unclean animal. So it's unclean. So there's only two options. You either break its neck or you redeem it. And the way to keep this donkey and keep the, the donkey that, that birthed the animals and keep more coming from that donkey and to produce more from that, you actually have to sacrifice one of the spotless lambs on behalf of this other donkey. So the only way for the donkey to be redeemed is by a spotless lamb to be sacrificed to the Lord on its behalf. And so every single time, God said, listen, every time you have a firstborn animal come out, if it's, if, it's, if it's a perfect spotless lamb or a perfect spotless goat, I want you to sacrifice it as an offering to me. Whenever an unclean animal gives birth, you need to sacrifice one of these spotless lambs to redeem this unclean thing so that you can continue to be honored and redeemed by me and I will bless this donkey over here by the, the sacrifice of this lamb. And so we see something very crazy about this verse. Very interesting that if we jump over to the New Testament, John the Baptist is baptizing all these people and all of a sudden, Jesus walks by and look what he says. He looks over to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John is declaring the very purpose of Jesus coming to the earth. This is good news for you today. Jesus came to wipe away all your sin, to wipe away all your guilt, to take away the areas of your life where there's shame and there's guilt and there's fear and there's doubt. He wants to give you partnership and be with you and help you and guide you. He came to wipe away and take away the very sins of the world. But look at what John called him, the Lamb of God. The reason is, is because Jesus is perfect. He was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect, 100% God, 100% man. And he walked on the earth. He was absolutely perfect without sin. The perfect, perfect person. And Jesus came as that spotless lamb to die so that he could redeem you and me. We are like that donkey. You may, I don't know if those in the room who've had children, how many of you know, you ain't got to teach your children to be terrible. You don't got to teach your children to say, mine, 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 mine. 
Mine, it's mine. How many of you know when the kids are fighting, even when they're 11, they do it. Hello, Bria. They're just mine, it's mine, it's my dolly, it's my thing, it's mine. How many know we don't teach them to be like that? Not Casey, he's just perfect. <laughs> he's perfect, he's cute. I'm gonna pitch him. How many of you know you don't have to teach your kids to do that? What do you know you have to do? You have to teach your children to do good things and be good people and discipline them and you have to journey them through life to teach them to be the people that God wants them to be. Why? Because we are born unclean. We are born with a sinful nature. We are born with a brokenness in our lives. We are bro born with a brokenness in our heart. Do you see the parallel here? That Jesus, God said to them, listen, you gotta give a spotless lamb to redeem all of the rest of your livestock, but you have to give that first one. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his firstborn son. Jesus was God's tithe. He tithed his son to the earth to die, to redeem you and to redeem me. Don't you see the beautiful picture of how what Jesus did for you and for me he did this for us. Look at the scripture in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates in his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, not when we started reading our Bible, not when we made it to church every Sunday, not when we stopped cussing, not when we finally stopped sleeping around, not when we did all these good moral good things and gave away our money. No, while you were still a sinner, while you were still in condemnation, while you were still in depression and fear and doubt and brokenness and financial disarray in your life, in that moment, the perfect spotless lamb died for you and bought you back to have a relationship with God. In much the same way, God actually uses this picture of what God did. He said, I'm gonna give my tithe, my son, to buy my people back in the same way when you and I give our tithe, our first, we are redeeming our finances for the Lord. That 10%, that first part, that belongs to God. And if you give that to God in obedience to Him, by faith in Him, guess what? He redeems the rest. All that go, the 90%, that's a donkey. The 10%, that's a spotless lamb. And we give it as a sacrifice and an honor to the Lord to say, Lord, I'm going to put you first in my life. Look at this in Leviticus 27.30. This crazy verse. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Amen. That crazy thought that the tithe, the first, is holy to God. Okay, I'm going to do a quick analogy. I couldn't find enough money because I don't carry cash. Everyone in the front row, stand up for me. Yep, you guys. Just stand in line. Come on, can you help me? <laughs> there you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. So God gives me, come on, Jesus, ten thousand dollars. Hallelujah. God gives you, blesses you with your with your career and your money, comes in. And let's just say God gives you a thousand dollars right here. Each a thousand bucks. Now who which one of these is holy? Which one of these is the tithe? <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Which one of these is considered the, the money we should give to God? Is it the, the, the last? Is it the one, the very, very end after we've paid the car and we've gone to Starbucks a thousand times and bought those new Prada shoes? Just kidding. I don't, they don't, I don't think Prada does shoes. You would know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was a joke, it was inappropriate, whatever. 
down the line, we see which one is holy to the Lord. The first one. The first one. This is the only one that God wants. And the Bible says that if you give this to the Lord, the first and the best, <laughs> the best. That's right. I set this up perfectly. Yeah. I was going to go farther than that, but there's children in the room, so. The best and the first, the Bible teaches very clearly that he will redeem the rest of it for you. He will redeem all of it. But if we give the last, there's nothing else to redeem. You've already spent it. So we're trying to live our life on 90% that's, that the first part was the Lord's. And we say, God, why can't I get out of this? Why can't you guys can sit down? Why can't I get out of this? At the very end, it's because somewhere along the line, we, as Cain did, he gave some of the, the tithe. Abel gave the first of the tithe. Some of you might be here today and you say, man, Ryan, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, this is kind of hard. <laughs> Let's just be honest with each other for a minute. How many of you say this is a hard idea? Let's just raise your hand. I agree with you. Now, badly, I'd love to have that money and all that I could do with it, all the Big Macs I could eat. <laughs> Listen, tithing is a test for believers. It is absolutely a test of our obedience to the principles of God. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear me. It reveals the condition of our heart. Many people don't realize this, but actually tithing represents this test. And if you actually look throughout symbols of the Bible of numbers, all sorts of numbers in the Bible have symbols. 10 has a, has a, has a symbol. 7 has a symbol. 40 has a symbol. If you look at the number 10 associated all throughout Scripture... The word 10, 10th, tithe, is associated with the word test. All throughout scripture. We see that in, in the book of Exodus, God tested Pharaoh's heart, tested his heart with. God delivered his standard of righteousness so that he could test people's heart through the 10 commandments. The children of Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they were given 10 different tests on their journey. In the book of Genesis, young Jacob worked for his father-in-law Laban. And during his time of working there, he was tested by 10 different wage changes while he was there. And then you bring it into the New Testament. In the New Testament, in, in Matthew 25, Jesus uses an analogy of 10 different virgins to teach about the test of our preparedness for the coming of God. In Revelations chapter two, there's mentioned 10 different days of testing, all used for the word 10th or tithe or 10 is always in connection to the test for followers of Jesus. Many of us, I hear this all the time, say, oh, Ryan, that's a, just an Old Testament law. That's Old Testament Mosaic law. Well, did you know that tithing was in the Bible hundreds of years before the Mosaic law? Hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. We see Abraham gave a tenth of tithe to King Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 15, I think it was. And King Melchizedek is a type of Christ. If you study that out, it's actually a type of Christ. Jacob offered to give God a tenth of all of his increase hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. But not only that, did you know that Jesus actually teaches on this? Jesus brings it into Luke chapter 40, 11, 42. He's talking to a bunch of religious teachers. And actually, he's being a little bit mean, actually. He's talking trash to these religious people. And this is what he says in Luke eleven forty two. 42. For you are careful to tithe 
even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God, you should tithe, yes. This is Jesus talking. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect. Look at this, the more important things. So Jesus says, yeah, this should be a part of your makeup. This should be a part of your life. This should be a part of what you're doing. But listen, if you're not careful, it'll just be from a a heart of obligatory expectation. Listen, it's not just about the 10%. It's about more important things like faith in God. Like your heart. Like does he have everything in your life? God wants it all. Just like Curtis said today, I love that was perfect. He said, God wants it all. He wants your relationships. He wants a tithe of your relationships. He wants a tithe of your finances. He wants a tithe of your time. He wants a tithe of your energy. He wants a tithe of your mouth. He wants a tithe of your effort. He wants a tithe of everything. God wants the first of everything in your life. And this is one of the greatest ways that Jesus teaches us that we can put him first and live the blessed life that God intends for us. Now, what I'm talking about today, I believe is, is not a societal norm. And I believe today that God, may you grow up in a church, you say, man, all they talked about was tithing all the time. Listen, it's not about the 10%, it's about your heart. I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I didn't share this with you. You wanna know why? Because I wanna tell you something today. God wants everything. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to journey with you. So I get to give you today three awesome benefits from putting God first with your money by tithing. Three incredible benefits right in scripture. Number one is this. The benefits of putting God first with our tithe. Number one, this is amazing, I love this. The benefits is, it, is a witness to your family. It's a witness to your immediate family. It's a witness to my children. It's a witness to your extended family. It's a witness to the body of Christ. Look at this amazing scripture in Exodus 13, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn, there it is again among the Israelites, the first offering to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. So he says, okay, give me the first. And then he says this, on the seventh day, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. Dad, why do you give so much money in that way? Why do you tie like that? It's because I'm just saying thank you to Jesus. He pulled me out of Egypt. He called me out of the life of addiction and brokenness and pain. Or when you had financial trouble or you were difficult in addiction or experiencing anxiety or fear or doubt, Jesus pulled me out of the muck and the mire and he set my feet up on a rock and he redeemed me and he set me free and he transformed my life. That's why I do it. I don't do it because it's obligatory. I don't do it because I, I have to. I don't do it because I feel bad. I do it because I want to honor Jesus. And I will tell my children, guys, the reason we give the first of all of our finances to the Lord through the tithe is because it's one simple way I can put Jesus first in my life in the most important thing of my life that I hold on tight to, that I check every five minutes on my app to make sure everything's going good. We check our investments so much and all these things and we look at all of it. God says, okay, it's okay. Just give that to me and I will bless you. And your children will grow up in an environment where you say, God is first. I trust the Lord. He'll take care of us, even when it doesn't feel like I'm gonna make it. Because Lord, it's not about the percentage. It's not about any, it's just about saying, Lord, I want you first in my life. I'm not gonna allow any area of my life where you're not first, God. I want you to be first, first, first. And it's a witness to my family so that my daughter and son one day will serve the Lord in all these areas, especially their finances. Second one, which I love, it helps build God's church. Your church, our church. It helps build the church of God. Come on, we exist as a church. 
to help people experience a relationship with Jesus and live a life that expresses his love. Come on, we got a big vision here at Love City Church. Come on, we got a big vision. We want to have a group in every community across the city. We want to have campuses in every quadrant of the city. We want to plant hundreds and hundreds of churches. We want to have our own foster care uh, program in our church. It's sponsored by the church so we can help the foster kids and kids who have orphans in the city. We want to help widows and orphans. We, we want to have a Bible college. We want to do international missions. We're sending Courtney and Kate Baird in just a couple of weeks. Come on. Come on, we want, we want to do so much for God. This next year in 2020, you know what we want to do? We want our worship experiences to go to the next level. We want to reach more people on our Sunday gatherings. We want our kids' ministry to go to the next level. We want your kids to have the best experience possible learning about Jesus. Come on, we want our first impressions and our signage to go to the next level. Come on, we want to help. We want to feed more people this year. This year, we gave $27,000 away to people across the world. Come on, this year, let's double it, amen? Come on, we want to plant churches and we want to help orphans and we want to help widows and we want to preach the gospel. We have a big vision here at Love City Church. And guess how we accomplish it? Through our tithe. Plain and simple. We do this together. We could see lots and lots of people's lives transformed. And I am thrilled and honored in my own life to model a regular obedience to putting Jesus first with my finances. Because it's all about Jesus it's not about a man, amen. It's not about a woman. It's not about me, amen. Mm-hmm. Who's it about? It's about Jesus. Yes. It's about his kingdom. It's about reaching more people for his kingdom. Right. Lastly, this one's super awesome. The benefit of putting God first with your ties, it gives God an opportunity to bless you. Yeah. Now, some of you were waiting for this moment. <laughs> You're waiting to hear what I have to say. Oh, where's the blessing part come in? What's he think about that? I love this. Hang out with me for a second. Check this out. Remember, tithing is a test. It's a test for God. Look at this verse in Malachi. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I want you to read this very clearly. That there may be food in my house. So he's very clear about where where it goes. Into the storehouse, there may be food in my house. And try, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So four of you think that's awesome. (laughs) The rest of you are nervous to say because you're like, is it like transactional? Do I like give $59.99 a month and I get that hair piece I've been ordering or what? Like, don't worry, you're safe. Some of you have grown up in churches that says, name it, claim it, give your 10, you'll get 50 or get 100. I want to show you what the Bible actually teaches about the tithe. It's not just like you give your 10 and God's going to blow up your bank account. As worship and honor the Lord, it's just our way of saying thanks. But he says, listen, you want to, I want to encourage you. Say thanks to me with your first. Try me. Yeah. Test me. You know, this is the only time in all of the 66 books of the Bible that God told us to test him. In your money. That's a crazy thought, guys. When God says something one time, it's very important. He says, hey, if you can test me in this, I want to show you that I will pour out such a blessing. I love how it says such. Such a blessing. That there will not be room enough to receive it. This passage about tithing is the only place where we see this. But before we see the blessing from God in our life, we must give it in faith. 
before you know how much money you're going to have left at the end of the month, you must give it in faith. It is not the act of tithing that God blesses. God blesses our faith. God blesses your trust in the Lord. God blesses with the fact when you say, God, I don't understand it all the time, but God, I'm gonna put you first in my finances. I'm gonna put you first in my life. God, I'm gonna put you first in everything. And God says, good, you're trying me in something and I wanna bless you because of it. But it's by your faith. It all comes down to our faith. The reason some of us hold on is because maybe we don't trust the Lord's gonna provide. From somebody who's lived my entire life by faith, I want to tell you today, the Lord has been faithful to us. I'm not a rich person. I don't have millions of dollars in investments, and some of you might because you have a gift for that, but I don't. But I am such a blessed person. I'm blessed in my inner self, my heart. I know who I am in Christ. I have a deep satisfaction that nothing can fill but a relationship with the Lord. But the Lord's blessed us. And I've never not gone a year in my life without giving my first to the Lord. I'm telling you today, I'm not a rich person, but I am wealthy in Christ. He blesses us with an abundant blessing. It's a way to put him first. Say, Lord, I trust you. When that firstborn you gives, when that you gives its firstborn, it's a big act of faith for them to sacrifice that first lamb. Because I don't know how many are coming after it. And they go through the whole pregnancy process and they go through the whole journey and they go through the whole thing, the whole time. And then they get there and the baby's born and they sacrifice an offering to God in hopes that there's gonna be more. And guess what? The Bible teaches that when we do that, he redeems the rest. I'm gonna end on this story. And, and then James, you can go ahead and come up now if you'd like. First Kings chapter 18. Amazing story of a guy named Elijah. Elijah is an incredible, incredible man of God. And there's a time in his life where God was providing for him by telling him to go down to this thing called the Brook of Kareth. And he's on this brook and there's all this water coming by and he's drinking this water. And God says, okay, I'm gonna start providing for you with crows, ravens. <laughs> it's a crazy story, you should look it up. Ravens started coming by and dropping Elijah food. Here he is drinking from this pond. He has no money, no job, no career. He's just living by faith. God's providing for him, he's drinking the water and crows would drop right by and drop a Happy Meal right on his lap. I don't understand it, but it happened. And then eventually, the brook would dry up and the raven stopped bringing happy meals and he didn't know what to do. So God spoke to him and he said this, I want you to go to the town of Zarephath. I've spoken to a widow who will provide for you. This is a crazy story. Elijah comes into the gates of the city and he's just walking in the city. There's this woman and she looks like a widow because widows in those days were generally very impoverished. This woman who looks impoverished is on, the, on her hands and knees with her son gathering sticks. And Elijah walks in and he says to her, hey, can you go get me a glass of water? I mean, it's a little bit rude. She's on the ground picking up sticks, but Elijah was thirsty. So, hey, can you give me a glass of water? So she, literally the Bible says she didn't say anything. She stood up and she started going to get him water. She's walking over to get him a glass of water. And as she's walking away, it says in the scripture that Elijah stopped her and said, oh, wait, 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 by the way, can you also bring me a bite of bread? In a moment, she stops. She turns around and she looks at Elijah. And she says, I swear by God that I do not have a single morsel of bread in my house. I'm out here today gathering sticks because I'm going to go home and make a fire because I have, the scripture says, a little bit of flour left in my container and I have a little bit of oil left in my jar. 
and I'm gonna go home and make a thing of bread and the scripture says, we're gonna eat it and my son and I are gonna die. Now, when you go to the pantry, you've got an old can of chicken noodle soup and a couple saltine crackers, thank the Lord that you got that. These people are in a dire situation. She says, all I got is a little bit left. And this is what Elijah says to this woman. He speaks to her and he says this. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do it just what, you, what you've said you're going to do. Go make some bread. But make a little bread for me first. Before you feed your family, before you feed your son, before you do that, I want you to bring it to me. This is a picture. Elijah is a representation of God in those days. He was called a prophet. And when people saw him, he was like the mouthpiece of God. This man represented God to this woman. He says, bring it to me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Now, here we go. We're in a season of faith. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know we got a lot of bills to pay. I got things to do. But I know I got my check. And God, I got to give the first to you. And God, I don't know what I'm going to do. My son's got school. My, my daughter's got soccer. And I got to pay this. I got to pay that bill. And this thing, God, what am I going to do? I just got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I don't know what to do. And he says, use what's left to prepare a meal for yourselves and your son. And look what Elijah says. I love this part. It says this. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and all olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and all crops grow again. Look at this. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Look at this. There was always enough. Everyone say enough. There was always enough of flour and olive left in the containers. I want to make a point here. The Bible does not say that the oil was overflowing constantly like a stream. It says there was always just a little bit left. And every time they went back to the oil container and they went back to the flour container, they picked it up and they said, God, is this all we have? He says, that's all you need. See, if we live this life, understand that God's not gonna give you above and beyond all that you ask or dream or imagine. If it's more than you need, he's gonna give you just what you need. He's gonna provide just enough to pay for those things and just enough to send your kids to school and just enough to bless your life and just enough to get along. But you gotta be a good steward of your finances. But God will always provide everything that you need, just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. But he says, I need you to give it to me first. Now, I wanted to teach this today. Can you say, Ryan, what is a blessed life? A blessed life is someone who puts God first puts God first in every area, puts God first in every part of their life, but most importantly, they put God first in their finances. Come on, would you bow your heads for me this morning? Let's pray. I want to pray for two people today. The first person I want to pray for is those in the room today that maybe don't have a relationship with God. And there was a moment in the message there where you heard about what Jesus did for you that he died on a cross. And the Bible historically proven that Jesus rose from the dead. Like scientifically and historically proven that there was a man named Jesus who rose from the dead. And he did that for you. That you could have a life of abundance. A life that's filled with joy and peace and love. A life that everything that God wants for you. He created you and he wants you to have a relationship with you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I've been on a journey where I'm far from God. And I want to come back to him today. You might not have all the answers, but that's okay. None of us do. One thing we do know is that Jesus loves you. He's a savior of the world. 
and he wants a relationship with you today. Come on, you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'd like to just start this journey. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to point you out. We're just going to say a prayer. But I'd like you just to quickly raise your hand and on the count of three, if that's you today. Come on, on the count of three, go ahead and put your hand in the air today. Say, Ryan, I'd like to start a journey with Jesus. One, two, don't be afraid. It's okay. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see your hand real quick. Put it up real fast and put it back down. One, two, three. Come on, anyone in the room. Come on, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, anybody else today? One young lady just gave her life to the Lord today. Anybody else today? Come on, this is why we exist as a church, to reach people who are far from God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. I want you to pray with me today, with this this young lady here today who gave her life to the Lord. Come on, in the name of Jesus right now, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, real loud. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But one thing I do know, I want to start a journey with you today. Now, will you forgive me of all my sin? Make me new on the inside out and transform my mind. I want to serve you with my life. I acknowledge your God today and I want to go on a journey with you. In Jesus' mighty name, Everybody said, come on, church, put your hands together for this wonderful lady today. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, we're going to sing a song. I want to pray for you real quick. Lord Jesus, we just pray, Lord, for every person in the room. Lord, everyone in the room, God, who feels as though they can't. I can't give. I can't do that. Father, I pray today, God, that you would help them understand that, Lord, it's not just about the religious action. Lord, it's about our heart. And then, Father, you want us to respond in faith by trusting in you that, God, you are such a faithful God. You've always been faithful. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You always provide for your children. You are a good father. You're a great dad. And you want to take care of us. So, Father, we pray today for every financial situation in the room. I pray for wisdom to get out of debt. God, I pray for wisdom to be good stewards. God, I also pray for faith to believe that, God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. God, you are our provider. God, you are our provision. God, you have all the gold and all the wealth and everything, God, belongs to you. So, Father, we put you first in every area of our life. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's just sing this chorus together real quick. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.